Okay, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, while you're turning there, I'll just give you a brief recap of where we've been in this series. Uh, we have spent, this is our fifth week in Gifted for Love. Man, it went so fast. Feels like it's, it's gone by so quickly. Um, while you turn there, I'll, I'll give you a second. I'm wearing some sick merch, Collective Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Just planted. Two weeks ago, they had their first meeting. Uh, my friends Drew and Morgan Milliken are uh, the planters over there. Uh, I've become super close to them. I love them. So what I want us to do is just for real quick, let's just pray for them as they are beginning this new journey. Uh, one of the things that, that we ought to remember as believers is we are all connected. So even churches thousands of miles away from us are part of the body of Christ, part of the family of Christ. And so these guys are special to me. And so I just want to pray for them together. Would you join me in that? Father, we thank you for Drew and, Mil and Morgan. We thank you for the vision that you've placed in their heart for Collective Church. We pray for this church that you would grow them, that you would prosper them, that you would work in that community for your glory and through your power, that you would do incredible things in their body and in their community. Pray you would just bless them, uh, multiply them, provide for all their needs, even in the middle of pandemic. Would you be with them? Jesus, we thank you. We worship you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me in that. It is cool to, to get to see those guys accomplish that vision. Um, they've been people who have been close to my heart for years. So I know none of you know them, but they're special to me. And so I want to pray with them together. They also have some sick merch. If you want to get a hoodie like this, you can go to collectivechurch.org and order one. <laughs> All right. We've been in this series. Uh, and tonight's message, we're just calling it In Pursuit of the Spirit. In Pursuit of the the Spirit. So throughout this series, just quick recap, we've said everyone has a gift. Everyone in this room, whether you think you do or not, whether you feel like you do or not, there's a gift that God has given you. And that gift can come in the form of just talents that you have, natural abilities that you've been given. Some of y'all are gifted musicians. Some of y'all are talented athletes. So some of you ha have just gifts in, in, in cooking and like culinary skills. Others of you are, are gifted in your social media profiles and like how you create stuff. You're just super creative. Like, and I could just go down the list. We all have these gifts we've been given and we are called to use them for the glory of God and the encouragement of each other. One thing that I've just tried to argue every week is there is no varsity Christianity and JV Christianity. That just doesn't exist. So we can look at people like me who stand on a stage and talk with the face mic and think that because I'm up here, I'm in some way more spiritual, I'm in some way more gifted or better than you are, and that's just not the case. You sitting in the back row are just as gifted as I am, albeit perhaps in different ways, and your calling is just as much as, as I am to build us up and encourage us. So you are to engage and build up the other people in this room and, and to strengthen them and encourage them in the Lord. There, there are no bench players. We are all first string active players in the kingdom of God. That, that's the calling we have. We are all called to participate. And, and the more you step out and minister to other people in this room, the healthier we are as a body. The, the more of you that are ministering, the, the more often you're just seeking to encourage other people, the more often you're seeking to use your gifts for God's glory, the more often you're seeking after gifts of the Spirit, the, the more you do that, the more healthy we are, and the more we are living in obedience to God's Word. The Bible teaches that these spiritual gifts that we've been talking about, so not just natural talents, not just natural abilities that you have, but also empowerments from the Spirit, gifts of healing, gifts of prophecy like we talked about last week, gifts of tongues like we're going to talk about tonight, all kinds of these spiritual gifts, these what we call sign gifts, are given as well to you 
for, for the building up of the church. And these two are not just varsity level gifts that, that you can't attain to until you get older, until you know the Bible better, but they're things that God wants for you now in order to build and encourage and strengthen the church. So last week we talked about prophecy, God using you to encourage others and speak to, to other, other people, to you for other people. This week we're just going to talk about tongues. And, and I know just at the outset, this can be a controversial topic and a weird topic. I, I, I know that some of you have been in some churches where you've had some weird experiences with this, and I'm there too. I've had some weird experiences with people, and I've even seen like videos from this week circulating on social media of people being weird with this stuff. And, and I just want to bring you back to what we've argued this whole time. When we see abuses of the gifts of the Spirit, when, when we see people acting just in really weird and strange ways, that is more often than not a result of a lack of understanding and a lack of knowledge of what these gifts are and how they're to be used. And so if we're going to remedy that, we don't need to run away from these gifts, but we actually need to run towards the Spirit. We need to pursue God for all that He is and all that He has. We need to seek to understand what these gifts are, how they're to be used, how they're meant to function, and then we can avoid the abuses and the craziness. And so let's just tonight let the Bible speak and let it be our anchor in this conversation. And so we're going to read 1 Corinthians 14, verse 6 through 25. And uh, we're just going to go, and and there's going to be some stuff that's like confusing and what, and we're just going to try to break it down and understand what the Bible is saying. Verse 6, Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments, such as the flute or the harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Verse 13, Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in my tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words in my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. In the law it is written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Well, prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If, therefore, the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and an outsiders or unbelievers enter, they will not say that you are out of your minds. But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. 
The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Let's pray real quick before we dive in. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for your instruction and teaching. Lord, I pray that as we study this passage, you would help us to understand what you've written to the church for all ages, and that you would apply it to our hearts today in a way that is real and relevant. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Amen. Amen. So let's just acknowledge the context first. This is a rebuke. So when Paul's writing this chapter, chapter 14, when Paul's writing the whole letter of 1 Corinthians, he is rebuking a church that has gone crazy off the rails. Like if you look at the Corinthian church, they just have some problems. They've got some real issues, some people living in some deep sin. There are just a lot of things wrong with this church. And it is a wonder that Paul doesn't end his letter with, and this is the last time we're gathering, let it be so, amen. Like, it's, it's a miracle that Paul doesn't shut this thing down. It's so dysfunctional. So Paul is writing this rebuke. And this is like, th- this isn't a, a, a passage telling us how to speak in tongues. It's a passage telling us how to not speak in tongues. So we just want to acknowledge that. And, and we're going to talk about tongues and, and how it functions in, in the New Testament. But before we do that, let's just begin by acknowledging what this scripture is saying this is not giving us a how-to guide or 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 a like here's the step-by-step instructions this is saying hey when you do this don't do this don't do that avoid this try to stay away from this so there's other verses that talk about this practice but we're just going to acknowledge what this section is saying and just be at the outset just let's remember the context and not forget that so that being said what is the gift of tongues Right? Maybe this is your first time you're like, what the heck is this? I've never heard this. This is like, what is this church? So the gift of tongues is, my definition, spirit-inspired utterances. Things I say that don't come from me, they don't come from my mind, they don't come from my understanding. They're just an utterance that like, I don't understand it. I, I don't know what I said, but I know that I said it. So I have, when I, and this is a gift that God has given me and I practice regularly and we'll talk about why and all that in a moment but when i do it i'm in full control of my body and my mouth it's not like something just takes me over and like starts working through me that would be creepy and disturbing and weird Uh, i i don't think that's biblical or right so i'm in control i can start i can stop uh but it's something that i i don't make up the words god just gives them to me so if prophecy is God talking to you, then tongues is God talking through you. God talking through me. It's words that I don't understand. I don't know. They're just an utterance and it's from the Spirit. It's not from me. It's God's Spirit, God the Spirit, speaking through me to God the Father or to the church with words that I don't understand. So this is how the Bible addresses this. There's two kinds of tongues in the Bible. The first one, and it's the one that we're kind of more familiar with and more comfortable with, is known languages. So if you turn to Acts 2, you can read all about this in the day of Pentecost. Like the Spirit of God just falls on these people. Incredible stuff happens. Like there's earthquakes going on. People are just crazy things happening left and right. And all these guys are speaking in tongues. And there's all these people gathered in the city from other countries and they're hearing these guys who are like uneducated fishermen who there's no way that they're going to know Egyptian. And yet they're speaking fluent Egyptian and the Egyptian people in the city can hear them preaching and proclaiming the message of Jesus in Egyptian. And they're like, what's going on with this guy? Because he clearly doesn't like know anything. Like just look at him. He obviously like doesn't understand what he's saying. And yet he's just speaking fluently. And, And this is 
one of the ways that God gifts people with tongues, unknown to the speaker, known to the hearer. And I think most of us are actually pretty comfortable with this gift, like the, the concept at least of like, yeah, God could do that. That could happen. In fact, that's kind of cool. Like, I want that, right? I, I'd love to be able to go to India and just like go on the street corner and start preaching the gospel in native Hindi. Like, that'd be awesome, right? Or, or I'd love to be able to just walk to like, so when I lived in Northern California, uh, it was a predominantly Hispanic area. And so we'd have lots of Latinos and Latinas come to our church and they didn't speak a lick of English. And I wished in those moments, God, would you just give me this gift so that I could just minister to them, speak with them, pray with them, share the message of Jesus with them? Like, that'd be cool. And I think most of us, like, we, we, hear, this, we hear this, and it's like, it's cool. Just a couple stories, just because it's cool. So I heard this from an FCA pastor. And uh, there's a guy at a conference, and they're, they're praying for the gift of tongues. They're, they're praying for the Spirit to fall. And he's asking God, he's asking God. And like, he's the only one in the room that doesn't have it. So like, there's like this pressure. And so finally he decides, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna make it up. I'm gonna fake it because like, I, I don't wanna be up here anymore. This is getting awkward. So he fakes it. And then he feels super bad because he's like, this is not right. Like we shouldn't be faking this stuff. And by the way, I'm not giving you like a prescription of so fake tongues because it'll all work out in the end. But like this guy, this is just the story. So he fakes it and he, he, he comes and says, guys, I was just faking it. I'm sorry. I feel terrible. And there's these five Japanese guys sitting in the front row and they say, I beg to differ. You were speaking fluent Japanese. Like what? Dude thought he was making this up. And yet even in his failure, even in his mistake, even in his outright sin, right? God still uses him to minister to people. That's cool. That's cool. Another story, I, I, my dad is like, he, he's a pastor, and so I like to get stories from him. And, and he is very like into all the charismatic stuff. So he has all kinds of great stories. And so I was asking him, dad, do you have any cool stories? So when he lived in Seattle, attending Philadelphia church, one morning he, he's sitting next to these guys in church and, and they meet each other and they're from Ukraine. And so there's a moment in the church, in, in the church service where the pastor says, all right, would you just pray for the person on your left, person on your right? And so my dad turns to these Ukrainian guys and he begins to pray for them. And, and they kind of talked and he'd found out that they were Pentecostal and like they love, like they're, they're comfortable with the gift of tongues. And so he just starts praying for them in tongues. And like, he doesn't understand what he's saying. And these guys say, how did you learn Ukrainian? When did you learn to speak Ukrainian? My dad's like, my dad does not speak Ukrainian. And like, I've known this man my whole life. That, that man does not know Ukrainian. And yet, and yet, he prays to these guys, and they hear fluent Ukrainian, and like, it's, he's, he's ministering to them, he's, he's praying for deep personal things in their lives, and like, God is just using them in a powerful way. That's cool, right? I want that. I, I hear stories like that, I'm like, man, can, can God do that for, through me? Can I go to a conference and just like start speaking a fluent language? Imagine how powerful it is just as a missional tool. Like, like that's cool. That's cool. So that's one way the gift of tongues works. And I think we're all actually kind of pretty comfortable with that. And it's like, it's maybe a stretch, but it's like, okay, yeah, God can do that. That's cool. And, and then the second thing that shows up in scripture, and I'll have you throw Romans 8, 26 through 27 on the screen. And we'll just look at this briefly, is unknown languages, unknown languages. And so there's times when God's spirit moves and it's like, I'm just speaking and I don't know it. No one around me knows it. And it's just, it's an unknown language. So here's what Romans 8, 26 through 27 says. Let me turn there. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts 
knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So, this is one of the key major verses behind this part of the gift of tongues, is there's times when I know I need to pray for something, but I just don't know how to pray for it. Have you guys been there? Where it's like, man, this is just heavy on my heart, and like, I, I know I need, but I just, I don't even have the words. So there's times when people just share like situations and stories with me. And it's like, man, that is awful. I need to pray for you. And I have no idea how. And in those moments, the spirit helps us in our weakness. This is what it says. There's times when I don't know how to pray how I should pray. And, and I don't know what words to use. I, I, I don't even know how to start. And so I can pray and the spirit just prays through me. In groanings too deep for words, in words that are just, they're, they're beyond what I can understand. They're beyond what, what my mind is capable of grasping. And yet the spirit just works through me and moves through me and, and, and is praying. And, and like, we believe prayer is powerful. We believe that it's important that, that we pray and we pray specifically. We pray bold prayers. We pray eager prayers. And so when there's times when like, I need to pray a bold, eager, specific prayer and I just don't have the words, the spirit's got my back. Like, that's cool. Because there's times when I have things in my life and it's like, man, how am I going to do this? And the Spirit, I've got you. I, I, I'm going to pray through you. And guess what? God praying to himself, what are the odds God's going to answer a prayer that he prays to himself? Decently high, right? So it, it's, it's just this powerful moment. It's like, I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. But, but God does. And God's working through me. And God's going to answer the prayer that he prayed because he's God. He's not going to pray something against his own will. Like, that, that's cool. God prays through me with precision. So I don't know what I'm saying in those moments, but it doesn't matter because God does. And, and so I, I don't get it, but God gets it. God's got it. Uh, we're often less comfortable with this gift, uh, with, with this side of tongues. And I think that that stems more from just a, like, we're, we're, we're a little nervous to just say things and not understand what we're saying. We're a little nervous to give up control. And I think a lot of times our uncomfortability with this gift stems a lot from we like to be in control of our lives. We like to be in control of our tongues. We like to be in control of, of what we're saying to the point where we are unwilling to give up control to God. And, and that's true even like aside from a, a prayer language, speaking in tongues, that's true just in general life. There's times when we don't want to give God control of the words that come out of our mouth. There's times when we want to just spout things and say things and text things and post things. And like, we don't want to give God any control over that. And God is saying, hey, I want control over your mouth. I want control over your tongue. And this is one of the things that tongues just builds up in me and builds up in us is it teaches us to give control of our mouth, of our words, over to God. So there's this personal, private prayer language that I don't know what I'm saying. It's just for, it's for me and it's for God. And Paul makes it clear that, that this is not something that's meant for the church. It's just meant for me and God. It's a private thing. And so you'll notice there's times even on Sundays and I'm leading worship and like I'll step back from the mic and I'll start praying because like that, that's, I don't need to give everyone in the church this, these words. Like they're not for you. You're not going to understand them. They're for God. And he does. There's other times where this is meant to be public. And there's times when people will speak in a tongue loudly for the whole church to hear. And then someone else in the congregation, in the room, gets an interpretation. And they understand what that tongue meant. The Lord just gives them understanding of here's what that person just said. This is what Paul is directly addressing in 1 Corinthians 14. This idea of tongues and interpretation. And the problem in this Corinthian church is people are speaking out these messages in tongues, 
and, and they're just they're going off and no one's there to interpret and so it's causing all kinds of chaos and confusion in the church because like we're trying to worship we're trying to get together and someone just wants to rattle off a tongue and like it becomes confusing and chaotic because like imagine if we're gathering for like a moment of worship on a Wednesday night and everyone's just rattling off in tongues and like we don't understand what anyone's saying it's just kind of chaos and pandemonium in the room and that's what's going on in this church and Paul's trying to correct it and, and bring it back so your your first blank oh dear <laughs> we're in trouble <laughs> your first blank why tongues are good why tongues are good and we'll, we'll, we'll look at first Corinthians 4 14, 4, and verse 18. So Paul says here, it builds you up. It builds you up. And I can't tell you how exactly, like, I'm not God, but I can tell you what the Bible says. The Bible makes it clear that when I speak in a tongue, I'm built up and I'm encouraged. And, and so we should do this. This is good. We want to be built up. We want to be encouraged. This is something that the Bible wants for you to have in your life. Uh, th this isn't a, hey, look at this weird thing that God could do. Wouldn't that be funny if God did, did that to you? But God's saying, no, this is for you and this is good. This is actually going to build you up. This is going to empower your life. This is going to power you up and, and help you. Uh, there, there's not a gift that God's going to give that's bad for you. There's not a gift that God's going to give you that's going to mess you up and cause problems for your life. So if God has it, it's good. James tells us every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights with whom there's no shadow or turning. If God has a gift for you, it's a good gift. And, and so as we address what for a lot of people is one of the more kind of weird and like scary and concerning gifts, I just want to remind you, this is good. In fact, Paul goes so far to say, something only Paul can say, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Like Paul's saying, this is a good thing. In verse 14 and 15, we're told that tongues engages your spirit. When I pray, my spirit is engaged. And this is a good thing. I'll be the first to admit, I don't totally understand what this means, to have an engaged spirit. I, I don't have this great, I, I'm working on learning and understanding more of like this robust idea of, of Paul's like spirit and body and mind. And I don't quite get it yet, but I know it's good. And I know the Bible presents it as this good thing that my spirit is being built up. There is a spiritual side of me. That, that there is a part of me that is attuned to spiritual things. And like, we have a problem with this in our world because we so easily and so often like just assume everything happens in the physical world and we very easily ignore that there's spiritual realities present in our world. Like there are angels and demons. These are real things. There is really a spiritual God. There, there is really spiritual evil and, and a Satan who's opposed to God. He's in no way as powerful as God, but, but that's all real. That's real stuff and it's going on. We need to be aware of that. And Paul says, when I, when I speak in tongues, it engages my spirit. And it's good to be engaged and aware of what's going on in the spiritual world, in the spiritual realm. In all of this, Paul wants us to remember the purpose of these gifts. That they are not just for ourselves, but they are for also for the church. So, tongues is good. Tongues is something you should desire, you should pursue, you should go after it with everything God has for you. Like, it's a good gift. You should ask for it. You should ask for these good gifts. But... We need to remember the purpose of these gifts is not just for us, but it's also for the church. And so Paul's next stage of the argument is why prophecy is better. Why it's better to build up the church than to build up yourself. When, when we're in our gatherings as a group, it is not good, Paul's saying, just to speak out in tongues loudly and cause chaos and pandemonium. So as good as that is for you, and as awesome as that is for you to do privately and personally and desire that, it is not good in a public gathering. So Paul says, clarity is better than confusion. 
In verse 6 through 12, he, he gives this idea of like an orchestra of instruments. And like, I've been to a lot of band concerts. I'm like a musical guy. I, I enjoy music. I have fun. And so when I, was, when I was a kid, I was in band. And so I've been at band concerts from fifth grade all the way through college. And I've, I've heard a lot. And there was no band worse than the band in Friend, Nebraska. And they don't have internet out there. And so they don't even know I'm saying this. And so I don't feel bad. But these guys, like they'd play. And it was like just this muddled, confused sound and it was really not enjoyable to listen to, but I did it because my kids, I, I had students in the van and, and my brother was in the van and so I'd listen and I'd clap and like, I enjoyed them. And, and I, I enjoyed them for them, but I didn't enjoy them for the music. And like Paul is saying, that's what it's like when we come and we just try to speak up in tongues the whole time. During, like imagine if I were to get on the stage, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Like, would that be like confusing? That'd be weird. Like if I just spent 40 minutes around, like that'd be weird. Like that's not normal, but this is what's happening in this church. And so Paul says, hey, this isn't okay. And so although we should desire these things, this isn't what it's meant to be. Clarity is better than confusion. Don't be muddled and unclear. Be clear. So pursue the, the better gift of prophecy. Pursue the, the better means of encouraging people in ways they can understand. Paul says interpretation leads to instruction. The tongues aren't bad, they're not evil, but they are incomplete. Without an interpretation, they're useless. And so someone can get up and give this whole message in a tongue, but no one interprets it, no one gives a meaning, and so it was useless to the church. Like that person should have just shut their mouth and, and sat down. And there's times this can happen in church where someone stands up and gives a message and we wait for an interpretation and it doesn't happen. And in those moments we realize, oh, that person probably shouldn't have given that message. But what happens in those moments, we have grace for people. We have grace for failure. We understand that we're learning, we're growing, we're, we're trying to understand how God would use us. And, and you're like, okay, well, Adam, why are you going on and on about this? Like, we're not going to do this. And I'm saying, oh yeah, you should though. Like, we should desire this. We should want this to happen. These are good gifts that God has given. And so it's important for us to look at how does the Bible teach us to use these gifts? Because if we're going to say, let's eagerly desire spiritual gifts, we better also put some guardrails up and prevent you from like driving off the cliff. So like, I'm, I'm not going to tell you, here's what I want you to do. And then I'm going to let you just run out and like go everything against the Bible. So I'm giving you these guardrails. We're, we're, we're spending this time looking at this passage because we want you to do this. We want you to be eager to do this. And so if you stand up and you give a message in tongues and it's like, oh, no interpretation. We're not going to be like, hey, sit down, shut up, don't do that again. We're going to say, hey, we're learning, we're growing. It's okay to fail. It's okay to make mistakes. Paul says, rather, seek to build people up with your words. This isn't just a negative command, but there's, there's a positive aspect here. Speak truth with clarity and concision. When you are encouraging people, as you're talking with others, speak truth with clarity and concision. Build others up. Encourage one another. Last thing Paul says here is that tongues bring condemnation, but prophecy brings conviction. Tongues bring condemnation, but prophecy brings conviction. So this, this last section, Paul says, when a tongue does not have an interpretation, it pushes non-believers away, and it pushes new believers away. So this is what's happening in the Colossian church. People are coming to Christ. They're showing up in service and there's like just tongues going off nonstop and people are like freaking out. They're like, what the heck? What's going on in this church? What's happening? 
And so they leave and they don't come back because they're like freaked out. And Paul says, this is a sign, not, not a, a good sign, but it's a sign of condemnation on non-believers. And so it scares them off and makes them run away. So don't do this. Instead, pursue prophecy. Pursue to build, build up these believers. What's going to happen if you give a word in prophecy? I'd rather you do that so that both believers and unbelievers can be instructed and built up. And in fact, he goes so far as to say, like, give these prophetic words so powerful, pursue this and, and love this so that a non-believer can come in the church and they just hear deep secrets and deep things in their hearts being revealed and like they come under conviction and they run to Jesus. Like that's powerful. Imagine if someone could come to church and like God could give you a word for them and like you could like speak to them with truth, with encouragement, with clarity, and like they'd be convicted of sin and they'd come to Jesus in that moment. That's powerful. That's good. That's something we should desire. That's something we should be eager for it, something we should run after. It encourages believers, not only convicts them, but it draws them in. They see that God is moving and they're drawn closer. In all of this, we want to see God moving in our church. We want to see God moving in trademark. We want to see God working and showing up. Like, the last thing I want is for us to sing some songs, play a game, me to talk, and you to go home, and us to have missed the Spirit of God the whole time. Like, that is a tragedy. Like, even if it was a fun message, and the game was cool, and the worship was pumping, like, if the Spirit of God didn't move, if someone wasn't ministered to and built up and encouraged, like, that was a failure. Even if, like, I feel, like, good at the end of the message, right? It's a failure if God's Spirit doesn't move. It, it, if we don't see God do some things, if we don't see God work in our lives, if we don't see God convict us of sin, if, if we don't have God draw us closer to Jesus, if, if we don't have God's Spirit just pour out and, and work and move in our lives, like, we are, we're failing on the evening. We, and so we want to pursue all of this because we believe that God is here to do something in your life. I believe with all my heart that you are not here by accident tonight. I believe with all my heart you are not in trademark on accident. This isn't just a fun social club or something you do for fun, although we want it to be fun. We want it to be exciting. But God has something for you every time you come on a Wednesday night. God has something he wants to speak to you personally. He has something he wants to do in your life personally. And so we pursue these things. We run after these things with all that we have. This last verse Paul has, and Ari, I'll have you come up uh, in 14 12 1 Corinthians 14 12 he says we need to hunger for the spirit hunger for the spirit verse 14 he says oh, I'm in the wrong chapter for if I pray in a tongue my spirit prays but my mind is unfruitful that must be the wrong verse where are we at 12, verse 12. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Strive to excel in building up the church. So Paul is saying, be eager for this stuff. Be hungry for this stuff. Be, be desiring. Like, Paul isn't rebuking them and saying, you shouldn't be eager for manifestations. Paul isn't saying you shouldn't be eager for the Spirit. He's saying, yeah, this is good. And since you're, you're, like, you're doing a good thing, your heart's in the right place, you're just kind of doing it wrong. So let me correct you and tell you how to do it better. But hey, your heart's there. And since your heart's there, strive to build up the church. So let's be hungry. Let's be hungry. And I'll have the worship team come up too. And I'd, I'd, I'd like them to just lead us in this song, Holy Spirit. 
and just invite God to work in our lives and move in our midst. You'll notice there's still some blanks. It's okay. I anticipated after I finished printing all the note sheets, I decided I was going to split this thing in half and we're going to finish up next week. We'll, we'll get the, the rest of this done. So I know some of you completionist type A personalities are like, man, I can't go away with empty blanks. It's okay. You'll survive. Just keep the paper until next week if you're really like concerned and worried about it. But let me have you guys stand up. And as the worship team leads us, let's just desire the spirit to move. Let's be eager for the Spirit to work in our lives. And would you just ask, as we worship, would you ask God to give you a gift? Would you ask God to empower your life and work in you? Would you ask God, Lord, would you use me to encourage someone? Lord, would you give me this gift of tongues so I can be built up? Jesus, would you use me to heal people? Would you use me to speak truth? Would you use me to perform miracles? Ask God and be eager and seek Him. Let's sing this song and, and seek the Lord as we do.